This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. to the B-Sotted Pride of West London podcast. Today is a very different kind of podcast because it's daylight. We are doing it in at a lunchtime on a Thursday um, at 1 over the 8, which is a, a great new pub, a new old pub uh, by Kew Bridge, overlooking the river that you can't quite see, but it's also overlooking Brentford's new stadium, uh, which, as you come out of Kew Bridge Station today, like I did, is looming large it's uh it's there from from years and years of talking about this place and you know what it what it might become to it's it's a scaffolding and there's a there's a stand emerging from from the ground so so it's happening it's real it's there it's uh you can see it it's with your own eyes you haven't got to look at any artist impressions there's no 3d rendering going on it's a physical real entity um today Gathered around the table with me, I'm drinking Session IPA because it's uh, it's almost like a junior beer for for lunchtime. Sav's on the uh, on the seafarers, and Liberal Nick is driving back to uh, the countryside, so he's on lime and soda with quadruple vodka probably <laughs> tucked into there. As I said, yeah, I've got the Liberal Nick with me. The Liberal, how are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, first time I've actually had a chance to have a quick look and peered through the barriers to see the new stadium going up. Really exciting. Oh, you know, my knees are trembling now. Is it like um, through the looking glass? Is it kind of like a, like a surreal experience for you, or is it is it kind of more real than that now? I just thought, I mean, you know, being a Brentford supporter for 40 years, I never really thought it would happen. And now I'm seeing something evolve before my eyes. And, you know, I'm almost, it's almost got to the stage where you can say, right, are we going to stand there? Are we going to stand there? Are we going to stand in that corner? You know, or behind which goal? I'm trying to get the triangulation right. It's going to make a huge difference to this area as well. It's going to be wonderful. And also with us today is Savvy B. Savvy, welcome back, my friend. Thank you. Uh, I'm I'm currently injured, so I sort of dragged myself here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've injured my arm muscle. So uh, and you, you walk on your hands and knees, do you? <laughs> uh, it just hurts, Dave. It hurts. Um, I, I think um, 
I think it's, oh. it's, it's going to tell my exuberance uh, on the, the fifth goal on Saturday, I think. When that goes in, I, I don't think I can poke her around like I normally do. So you walk like a chimpanzee. How, how would walking here hurt your, your shoulder? Uh, well, on the bus when it jolts and you have to put your arm out to grab the pole, it really hurts. Okay. Well, through, through the pain barrier, <laughs> Sav's made his way the three miles from his sympathy, house. Sympathy. Yeah, he's no sympathy. No sympathy here, mate. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're this very bit civilised, actually, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. So, match days down at the one over the eight apparently is very, very nice and civilised. They do a burger and a pint. I think there's a deal down there. So, it might be, you know, if you're creatures of habit, it might be, might be worth looking at the new stadium before the Knott's Forest game. Come down here and just have a, have a nosy around. So, yeah, it's hard. So I feel kind of at home here. It's like a new old pub. And we've had podcasts from here before as well. And we, we sort of said, you know, we're almost on the site where the, the, the club was formed in 1889. So it's something symbolic about one over the eight. So, uh, yeah, give it, give, it a, give it a try. So there's, there's plenty to talk about this week. We're going to be talking about the, the stadium, the, the decision to be, has been made to, to put it back for uh, the whole season. So we've got... Uh, what remains of the 1819 season and the 1920 season at Griffin Park? We'll be moving into uh, Lionel Road or the Community Stadium or whatever it's called by that stage, Princess Diana Memorial Stadium, um, in for the start of the 2021 season. We're also going to talk about Brentford's uh, League Cup run, which it seems like we've we're kind of stumbling through. We've had two very very favourable draws in the first and second round, and we're waiting for the, the draw to be made for the third round. Which strangely, it's on a on a Thursday evening when there's no other games to be played in this round. I think everything's been played. So why they didn't do it last night, God only knows. Um, then we're going to talk about obviously the Forest game that's looming large on on Saturday. Uh, we we lost at Blackburn last weekend. We need to get back on the bike. We need to get this season back on track. So we'll be talking about the bubble bursting slightly, or you know, and how the club and also how the team and how the manager um, gets just managed to refocus and uh, get get on to beating Forest because Forest uh, they're there to be beaten. I think they've they've, they've drawn four. Um, and they've won one. Yeah, they're they're unbeaten, but you know, it's whether you want to draw your games or you want to win some. So there's also call-ups for the international teams. We've had Mepham called up, and we've had uh, Alan Judge called into the Irish team. There's a good chance they'll play each other. Uh, and so yeah, there's plenty to talk about. So, but first and foremost, let's go back to Tuesday night, the Caribou Cup clash with. Cheltenham Town, it was a very narrow but very convincing 1-0 win. Here's what the fans thought after the game. Welcome to the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. We've just witnessed one of the most one-sided 1-0 victories anyone's ever seen. Brentford breeze past Cheltenham Town into the third round of the Caribou Cup where the big, big boys come in. All the premiership clubs that are involved in Europe come into the third round. Uh, Jean Vier scored the decisive goal in the first half, but Brentford bossed it from start to finish pretty much. I think we ended up with 25, 26, 27 shots, of which probably 12 or 13 would have been on target. So poor finishing again, really. Bit of hesitancy. Force didn't really cut the mustard in the first half. 
Um, a lot of, lot of shots went wide over the bar or, or, or were blocked. So it doesn't really matter, I suppose. You know, we, In an ideal world, it would have been more comprehensive. But we're into the third round. What, what, any, any positives from tonight? Uh, quite a few. It was a very comfortable win. We were playing the ball really nicely around them. Uh, I thought Tom Field had a really good game. I was very impressed with him. Uh, yeah, I've been a good, uh, yeah, false. I think he just needs to learn the plays because he was like going in just that split second too late. I mean, he really could have gone to the end of quite a few balls, quite a few crosses coming in where he just like didn't go for them. I think that was the only downside for me was that false just needs to learn the play a little bit more. But people like Tom Field had a great game, really, really good, comfortable, lots of lovely, lovely football. Uh, very enjoyable game to watch. Yeah, no, it was a really enjoyable game to watch. You know, quite a few positives from my from my eyes standing here on, the, on my five pound ticket on the Eden Road tonight. I thought Alan Judge was involved in an awful lot tonight. Still doesn't probably look quite match like a whole 90 minutes match fitness, um, match sharp for the first team. But Jean Vier once again he scored his second goal in his second appearance in this cup competition. But, you know, we look solid pretty much everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you know, five pound was good value for money tonight and it was worth it to the four and a half thousand people who came along see, saw some good football played. Fair play to Chapman, actually. I thought they put in a good effort despite being overwhelmed by us. I mean, what, we had something like 26 shots, 12 on target or something. It should have been a higher scoreline than 1-0. Um, I'm, we're in the third round of the cup. That's good because, as you know, I think we ought to have a cup run this season. Um, it was good for Force to have a run out, I think, you know, and Banorama uh, to build up a bit of uh, uh, playing together. Disappointed to lose Mepham, um, and I hope that's not too much of a serious of a blood injury. Um, but, yeah, satisfactory, all-round decent performance on a Tuesday night. There we are, third round of the cup. Let's bring it on. That's probably like the biggest worry tonight is obviously the injury to, to Chris Mepham. He, he was taken off with, as Nick said, a blood, looked like a blood injury. He looked like someone had gone in with their elbow from what we hear. Um, it's not really what it's not what you want, is it, for your for your 18 players to come out come out injured? Maybe hopefully it was precautionary and he'll be all right. But you know, what, what did you see out there on the pitch tonight um, in terms of like you know we, we saw on Saturday we 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 sort of like shuffled the pack a bit and it backfired. But tonight we we looked all right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you have to look at the two players we swapped out on Saturday. Uh, McEachran and McLeod both had very tidy games tonight, actually. Uh, McEachran looks like he's grown an inch at times this season. And uh, McLeod, I think, is the best passer of a ball at the club. So uh, the weight of passing to find players is, is just excellent and gets them running onto the ball, which really gives us an advantage. Uh, I thought other highlights, Jean Vier looked very, very good, very solid. Uh, he made a couple of good blocks as well as causing problems going forwards. Um, nice little nice little cameo from Ogbeni at the end as well actually got really good acceleration seems to have to wind up a bit to a shot um, the big debate will be about force does he start on Saturday um, I thought he, just before he was subbed he started to show some touches actually he started to win balls he started to pass the ball a bit better than maybe he has done but it's a big ask for him to play championship football I'd probably go with Watkins up top on Saturday Tuesday night under the floodlights you can never ever tire of it but it was quite a 
not I wouldn't say grueling, but it was it was a, a very very kind of hard earned one nil win. You know, we 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 were well within our comfort zone pretty much through all of that game. But you know, we know that if you don't take your chances, there's a good chance of you getting bitten in the arse. Fortunately, Cheltenham, although they played okay in phases, they didn't really have anything coming forward. They didn't have any teeth. What was what was most important for you? Was it just sort of seeing us being able to play our normal stuff? The some some of the fringe players coming in. What, what did you take out of Tuesday? A uh, bit of both, really. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the performance. It was just really lovely to watch the way we were just pinging it around. There was a fantastic ball from um, from. Uh, McEachern, who just sort of leapt up in the air and just flicked it with his ankle or something. It was just like really magical and it just went miles and straight to our player. It was beautiful. So there was a lot of that going on, a lot of really lovely interplay. So I really enjoyed that. And I think it shows that we have got these creative players in McEachern and McLeod, uh, who I think we've, we've possibly... We possibly miss when 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 they're, not, when they're not there. We can go a little bit too solid sometimes, which I think maybe is what we try to do at Blackburn. Uh, but I think the creativity suits us well, and it was when you're playing against a team that allows you that creativity, then they're ideal ideal players. I think what I noticed was that there's a, probably a good reason why some of the players that played on Tuesday aren't making the squad. Like you can clearly see the ones that make the bench and should be on the bench, but there's a few who probably aren't quite there yet. They're either very young, uh, and uh, you know people like Field and Ogbené and uh, Force. Um, who are sort of you know knocking on the door, but they're they're very young. You can see why they're not getting getting on, onto the pitch or onto onto the bench. Um, but the one player that stands out for me, who's really unlucky, I think is Josh Clark. I think he had a really good game on Tuesday, and um, whenever he's played for us, he's always done really really well. So I think he's he's the unlucky one. You say about the you know the creativity and the the, the you know the flicks and the tricks. It, it wasn't all about showboating, though, was it Tuesday? No, we was allowed to play our game. That is our game, and it's it was, it's a beautiful game. You you can get up the pitch really really quickly uh, by playing with with the creative players. You can cut through defenses. That's what I mean. It's not the showboating. I mean, occasionally that's nice, and you see it, and it just looks beautiful. But but it's it's the effectiveness of getting up that pitch. And I think the only thing that was lacking was that not not, not the final ball, but the actual final shot. It was either too weak, it was either really well saved, or it was just off target. And uh, you know, other than that, we we were superb. And if we can, if we're allowed to play that game, we will beat most sides. Nick, you know that 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 performance and the tea and the you know the way we played and the chances that we created. It's just not it's not unique to to Brentford anymore. We, we we've become very used to that. We almost kind of expect it these days. Did did Tuesday night show us that we're still really actually lightweight up front? Bar bar the bar the one, we always seem to have one striker who's the number one, and then beyond that, for the last probably four or five years, we seem to be have a, have a question mark hanging over. You know, I'm really pleased that uh, Marcus Force has been told that he's part of the first team. They've obviously pinned a lot of hope and a lot of a uh, lot of kind of uh, I wouldn't say expectation on his shoulders, but they've kind of ho- hopefully given him confidence and they've made him the number two. Uh, oh, I didn't. 
quite see that. Is, is, is that somewhere, if we're, if we're really going to be mounting a promotion challenge, which, which it seems, you know, we, we are doing, you know, no, no one's saying anything otherwise. We're not hearing any noises saying, oh, calm down, lads, you know, lads and lasses, you know, we're, we're not there yet. I think the club are quite happy to be seen as this is the year. We're not quite there yet up front, are we? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I was just looking uh, up. We had 28 shots uh, during the game and 13 of those were on target. So that shows that actually the team were all round going forward and and shooting. Some some were two two shots from a long distance. And I was recalling there must have been at least three or four balls that went straight across the six-yard box where nobody was coming in on them, where you think, you know, Malpe would have Malpe would have got a hat-trick if he'd been playing on that. So, so Mal, read, read Malpe, read Vibe, read Gray. So it's, it's, it's those chances. Absolutely. An out-and-out striker would have would have filled their boots, to use an old expression, on Tuesday night um, with some of the balls that were coming across and into the, into the box. I agree with you. I think, you know, force. You know, he probably is not the answer for a championship, top of the championship table team. I mean, I was encouraged by the fact that we played a very strong team on Tuesday night. It was an A-minus team. As you know, I'm pretty keen that we have a good cup run. Um, And by getting through into the next round, we can offer another opportunity for force to be playing in a... with some some better players in inverted commas who actually could take us forward and work and it just he needs just game experience first match first team experience and it will come because we know we know from our years of exasperation that um, forwards at Brentford take time to bed in particularly with the style of football we play we don't play we play a different style of football to the majority of teams and if you're brought up in one way you've got to go and learn the system and the only way you can learn our system is by playing competitive matches and hopefully force will get better for it yeah, and that's, that's pretty much spot on. I, th- I think as, if you can look back over the last three or four or five years, really, uh, it, it, it does take time. You know, there's always there's always been question marks. I, I think over every single striker that we played at, at number nine. Um, you know, I know Hogan. Um, he was injured for a lot of time, so we didn't really see him until he came back. And obviously, it was a you know a amazing just to to witness that kind of. Not only was he back and fit, he was just scoring for fun. As, as Nick just said, the experience in the first team and being in and around the first team and whatever's happening, whether you're missing chances or it's not working your way, the the being picked and carrying on being part of the squad is it's, it's tried and tested. It, it does or it has until this point come good. Um, if they, if they, if they, the DOFs and the, and the manager see the potential in a player and they believe in him. Up until now, more often than not, it's they've actually started to bloom. Is do you see Marcus Force being being the being the real deal, or do you know, or, or, or would you know, should we be boys? And while there's a couple of days left of the transfer window, bring someone in on loan. Uh, I don't think he's ready yet. I think, but you know, the whole point is, that if you do give them games, they become more and more ready. They do become better. So it's, it's that, but you know, are we in a position where we can risk that? Because we're, if we're genuinely going for promotion, we can't afford to risk any game. Um, so if that means that you're playing somebody who you, you know isn't 100% ready, um, then you know, you're, you're basically putting out a weakened team, aren't you? Uh, in the same way, if you're putting people, taking people out of their natural position, like moving Watkins across or putting Vermeer up front, you're doing the same thing. You're weakening 
you know the, the side because you're taking them out of their their best positions. So so it's hard, which is why these Caribou Cup games are actually so so good. You know they're really helpful. It would be better, of course, if Mopé doesn't um, go around stamping on people. And yeah, we, we, that's, that's yes, yeah, you're right. I mean, Mopé's uh, you know, is, is you know retribution is you know is, is um what's the word uh, the, the 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 retrospective ban that he was he was given because of the stamp at Aston Villa it, it actually cost us more than we thought you know we we, we we kind of I don't think we were flippant about it and it, it did obviously raise question marks over what Smith was going to do last Saturday at Blackburn but we obviously just thought that bringing force in or or swapping it around playing Watkins up top or Sawyer's up top like as has happened in the past we'd still be okay because we still create this amount of chances no matter who was there eventually they're going to take one it didn't work out like that and you know you could argue that um the, the stamp by more pay cost us at least one point if not three at Blackburn because it it made Smith consider and reshuffle his pack where he probably wouldn't have had to have done if if uh, more pay had, had, had not been a silly boy so we still have to get we're going into Nottingham Forest with the same problem aren't we it's it's the last of his three game suspension which I guess we can thank the Caribou Cup for absorbing one of them but we are going up against quite a big big solid back line um, against uh, Nottingham Forest who are obviously grinding out results if they've not been spectacular yet so what do we do do we do we stick with force or do we do we go to plan B or C uh, plan C I think would be um uh, Ogbené, because I think he he quitted himself very well on Tuesday when he came on, and he he's looking to run behind the defenders. And I think um, I was listening the the Blackburn game I didn't go to. I was listening to it on uh, I follow, and um, um, Ben Burgess made a really really good point that Marcus Force wasn't stretching their back line at all. He wasn't running beyond them. He wasn't running around like Mope does, and so therefore there was no space for our players between their back line and their midfield. And uh, that just meant that we can't pass the ball, we can't play our normal game. So someone like Ogbena, who seems to have that real sort of pace and was very keen the other night to sort of keep running beyond them, I think he might be the answer just for this one game, just to see how it goes. Start with him, why not? I mean, he's, he's probably as experienced as forces. Yeah, we've got, we've got to take a risk. And I, I kind of, it's quite nice sometimes to just chuck a wild card in there and, you know, force, yeah, he'd be on the bench. But I think maybe Ogbené could be just this kind of random, it could work. And, you know, as you said, every time I've seen him, he's been really exciting, really random. I'm not quite sure if he knows what he's doing next either. But sometimes you just have to have that. I mean... Um, Asprilla used to have that uh, uh, at Newcastle where, you know, God knows what was going to happen next, but more often than not, it it paid off. Nick? I I disagree with Sav. I think I I would actually still stick with Force on starting on Saturday um, because I think the the more games you play, the more you get used to our system. Benny, I agree, has massive potential and he is an absolute maverick uh, at the moment um, but he's the, exactly the type of player that you send on with 30 minutes left of the game to and um, poses new challenges for the uh, defence um, the opposition's defence so so he can really mess things around I would give, I'd, I'd keep force in there 
going back to what you also said earlier about do we bring anything in on the loan system, it goes back to the point that I made that it takes time for people to learn our, our system and our way. And unless there is somebody who is absolutely out there in France or Denmark or some other uh, minor European league, with apologies to the French and the Danes, um, who can actually... Uh, is uh, uh, has the art of hanging on a defender's shoulder and then running into space for through balls that are played right down to their feet. And um, A, I don't think those players exist, and B, if they do, if they do they're actually playing for the Bayern Munichs or the uh, PSGs or even the Real Madrids rather than the Brentfords of this world, and I'm not certain that they would be available for loan. So, no, start with force on Saturday. Ogbené definitely on the bench and definitely to come on. But the more game time we have, the more force we'll grow up. And we've just got to have faith in these players. DOFs and, and Dean Smith obviously have faith in uh, force because they've promoted him pretty quickly, actually, into the first team. I think he would have been on the bench anyway because we're lacking in, in strikers. So, you know, he's got his chance. He'll take it. He'll come good. Hopefully it will be Saturday that he does it. Welcome back from that delicious twang. And as we said in the intro, we've, we've sort of uh, come out of Cuba Station or hobbled or crawled for like Sav's done from, from Ealing uh, or come from the bus from, from Richmond like Nick's done. And we've seen, I won't say looming large, but kind of there now is, is the stadium. Let's call it the stadium for the, for the want of a kind of an, another kind of crawl, searching around for alternative names. It's there. It's real. It's physical. The club have announced that we are not going to be moving into the start of the 2020-21 season, if that's not enough 20s in a, in a sentence. 20 is plenty. 20 is plenty. So we have got two full seasons at Griffin Park, which I think a lot of people will be very happy with. A lot of people are still struggling with the actual concept of moving away full stop. Um, there's a lot of people... I wouldn't say they're in denial, but you know, it was, it, this was a, a, a period or a time they never saw actually coming. We've 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 seen plans, we've seen council sessions pushed back, and we've had it this rejected, that rejected. It cost in you know this cost spiraling. We've had you know. Uh, We've had appeals from residents, and it's been all sorts to get to this stage. It's been, it's, you know, a, a public consultation and all this stuff. It's, it's been a long schlep to get to where we are now, and to, to see to see anything come out of the ground is like, you know, well done to the people that have made that happen. Whether you think move into a stadium or not, still is the right or wrong thing to do. Uh, I think the argument's gone. It's happening now, so we need to kind of get get grow, grow up a bit put a big boy trousers on and uh, just just get used to the idea you know it's still going to be an awfully sad day uh, and you know it's going to take me another two years probably to to get get to terms to come to terms with the fact that you know I'm not going to be going back to that you know those that coordinates ever again probably so you know what what was your feeling when when you heard the club actually make the announcement that it's two seasons are you were you relieved? I mean, I, I don't think we needed a you know we didn't need a cock up on our hands. Moving stadiums is going to be difficult enough, let alone making unrealistic deadlines. I kind of felt it was inevitable anyway. I kind of always felt that uh, a mid-season move was unlikely, uh, just with the logistics. I think it's, it makes a lot more sense to have uh, a good deal of time to get those those uh, preparatory. Um, 
uh, openings in. You know, when you have to have uh, like a, a, a game where you've like half capacity, then three quarters capacity, then full capacity, or an event anyway, it doesn't have to be a game. Um, so I think it makes sense to, to give yourself time to sort them out and get all the logistics in place rather than try to rush that. If you rush that, you're in trouble. The other thing that I think is really, really good is that it gives us that little bit more time to make sure we've got a standing section. Uh, the FA coming out um, just two days ago, I think, saying that they support standing uh, if it's done properly is, is a really real big bonus, I think. And I think it gives us that little bit more time to make sure it happens because if we're going to move and there's going to be a lot of people upset when we're moving, that's natural. I mean, I, I, I get that. I'm going to be upset. But if we can move and stand then the change isn't going to be as great as if we move and have to sit. And I think uh, that, that's going to really help a lot. And if that happens, you know, I, I think that would be, be a real bonus for us. So I'm really quite happy that we stretch it. And I think, you know, starting the, you know, a, a new ground uh, on a new season makes sense, especially as it's going to be the Premiership. And well, I'll, I'll, I'll skip over that last soundbite, the, the Premiership bit, because we'll, we'll see what happens. But to, to kind of just kind of... Um, expand slightly on what you just said about with the timing of the FA's support of a, of a safe standing uh, policy or, or, a, or, a, or a, you know safe standing full stop the the chances of us if we if we would have had to have moved into the new stadium and because of le- current legislation we moved into an all-seater stadium there was even if they'd factored in the the potential for um, adaptation it's always a bit of a doubt whether they it, it would have happened. So, if that extra six months, that extra you know, that ex, extra five months, well, yeah, it'll be it'll be it will be eight months by the time the stadium opens. Because if, if if say the you know the, the, the first proposed date was December, um, and then obviously you know May's the season end, and then August is season start again. So we've got we've got eight months and eight month extension that does give us the best part of a year to hopefully for the for the sea change to have happened yeah i totally agree that's, that's exactly my my reasoning behind it that eight months is is quite massive it also means that you know if if you don't have to rush it you don't have to you know if there's a little a little bit you don't have to pay the builders a little bit extra because they're forced to rush it like the jubilee line when that opened you know and uh, so so yeah that, that all but it just makes sense to to give yourself that time why 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 rush it why why put yourself under pressure i mean anyone who's done any building you know, knows what it's like when you have to sort of rush a job. And, you know, in fact, if you do anything, you know, if you rush it, it's not going to be as good. Two questions for you, Nick. Um, first and foremost is you're a, a, a political animal. You've, you've been involved in politics for a, a number of years. What do you, what, what do you see um, the realistic uh, time scale and um, the, the realities of, of the FA and now the government and this this all-seater stadium um uh cross-party consultation what how do you see that progressing over the next year two years and and also do you think that the 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 the, the ticketing um problems that we've had the last fortnight last well this season um have kind of helped make the cl- help the club make a decision where they don't kind of they don't want to move until they've got that that bolted down uh, answer to your first question is I don't actually think that there will be any change in the legislation, in the laws to allow safe standing until after the next general election. 
I think um, all political parties will probably go in with manifesto commitments that they will abolish uh, they'll abolish the law that forbids it uh, um, be in favour of safe standing so it will depend how much the new government thinks that's a priority so that actually won't happen until after 2020 so you know there is a bit of a delay um, on, on that one because I, I don't think there will be a general election before then uh, Second point is the ticketing. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It has been a bit of a fiasco. I mean, I can't... Changing around to new systems to create... They're lucky we haven't had a really big game. I mean, the test of it will come... Tonight, if, maybe. Tonight, if we, if we draw Man United at home, it will be a real test of the system. Um, I mean, there are some people who are disappointed. I was talking to somebody who went to every single home game, uh, uh, sorry, every single game, home and away, last season on Tuesday night. And he was just, I mean, just a minor thing, but it is actually quite symptomatic. He was saying it's disappointing that when you go and log in to your ticket uh, bit now, you don't see how many points you've got. Um, everybody used to wear as a sort of badge of pride how many taps that they had, you know, that, that no longer is easily accessible. You don't know how many it is. Whether that's a bit of one-up one fandom, I don't know. But, you know, it's the type of thing that engenders loyalty, makes people loyal about their club. What we didn't want with the new stadium is ending up with a Spurs situation, you know, a promise that we'd be moving in December 2019 and, you know, comes in comes in September, October, we're desperately searching around for venues to play in um, because, you know, let's be realistic, Brentford were never going to hire Wembley to play, play in. We would have almost certainly, I would have thought, been having to look at play... God forbid at Craven Cottage. Well, I would actually go and say Craven Cottage or Loftus Road. You know, would we stay at Griffin Park? Possibly, yeah. But I mean, but and Sav, you you cut down Sav when he said we're in the we're going to be in the Premiership. Just just one word of caution: when we do go up next year. We're not going to be able. We're not. We're going to have to have an all-seater stadium for the Premiership, and that's going to cut our capacity to about eight thousand. So they're going to have to sort out the ticketing system before then, aren't they? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not really going to comment on the ticketing system because it's 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 an area that I find really dull. And if I'm honest with you, I know it, I know it affects a lot of people, but you know, I've I've got a season ticket. Um, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't affect me. I'd, I'd say that's not to say it's not it's not something that needs to be sorted, but. Um, you know, I'm not sure whether it's the club's fault or whether it's the new company's fault. I would imagine it's the company's fault. The club aren't, you know, I wouldn't imagine they're going to sign up to, you know, they're not going to do anything on purpose that's going to be a neg- you know, have a negative impact on fans. So let, let, let's just say it's teething problems with, with the new company and they need to obviously sort that out pretty quick. But the, the, the problem I see is that, you know, if we do, as you said, if we draw someone big in the next round of this Caribou Cup, then it's going to really, really, uh, te- it's going to test us. I know, you know, ultimately there's only 12,500 tickets. It's not like we've got a 60,000 stadium and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be like a, a colossal problem. It's, you know, you know we had 4,500 there on Tuesday night, which I thought was a fairly decent turnout, to be honest. I know it was a fiver for most people, but it's, you know, that, that I think without the fiver it would have been like 2,000 maximum for that game. So it, show, it shows you that price point does matter. Nick, let's be straight about this. I mean, we have a footballing side of Brentford FC is like a Rolls Royce. It purrs gently and there are gradual improvements to make it still one of the best things that exists, one of the best footballing teams out. Off the pitch... 
occasionally things do go wrong and we're not, you know, we're not firing on all cylinders um, uh, when it comes to some of the off-the-field things. And I think, you know, I, I sit as a critical friend. I know it's not easy. I know, you know, no, it's not, not wishing. But I think it's, it's up to us to, to voice concerns when things do go wrong. And, it, you know, quite, quite plainly, a ticketing system isn't run by anybody with it. Sorry, isn't ma- made, um, designed by anybody within the club. You buy in things like ticketing systems nowadays but you know obviously the specification and who the contract and who's provided it was enough due diligence done that they delivered a ticketing system before I don't know the answers to any of these I'm just posing them as questions and it just shows that you know just occasionally in our off the field activities we slip up which is such a shame when we're regarded as such a well-run football club when it comes to the performances that people see on the pitch Um, and you know I don't want anybody have any excuse to knock Brentford. Um, and people nowadays in this 24-hour media-driven world will look for reasons to, to do that. Um, so critical friend is, hey, let's sort out the off-the-field issues so that we can be as perfect off the field as we are on the field. So, and, I mean, looking at the, the press coverage of the decision to, to push back the, you know, the move date, it's been seen as a positive thing. I, I, you know, whether, whether that's spin or whether that's you know, just the way the press release went out or it's a, the fact that the, the, the local media or the, or the regional media don't actually understand what's, got, what's gone on, I, I'm not quite sure. Well, I think it helps that Spurs have made such a fiasco over their move into, into, yeah. into the revamped White Hart Lane. So, actually, people have seen that you know, much better to delay these things and get it right the first time rather than do what Spurs have done is, is uh, I think they've had a, two sets of postponements so far where they get it will be, will be seen yeah oh well what's the, I'm not going to complain about an extra six months of Griffin Park I, I mean that, that's the bottom line I don't I don't actually I mean when I say I don't care is maybe that sounds a little bit too kind of like flippant but you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want them to make a wrong decision. I don't. I don't want leaving Griffin Park to be rushed or um, disrespectful. And there's there's a chance that the the moving stadium and delays would have overshadowed the fact that we're leaving our proud old stadium. And, and that maybe that six months or that eight months allows us the breathing space to really do things properly, move properly, prepare properly. That's, that's emotionally and like logistically, and also just give us the space and the time to get some games there that kind of people can remember as special special games rather than kind of you know it, it just being tick 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 down to a, you know a, a panic situation anyway twang and we move on back after the twang by public demand we are speaking now to a bloke called Gary Gary Baldy um, I'm not sure if he was a substitute on, uh, on Tuesday night for, for Cheltenham he, he was he was bald I'm not sure if his name was Gary but um, this this bloke Gary he's a, he's a Nottingham Forest fan and he was speaking to Billy Grant earlier and he answered five questions and those five questions are called five from the hive five from the hive from the hive Nottingham Forest Hello, I'm Matt Aldroyd I'm part of the Forza Garibaldi fan group at Nottingham Forest uh, we're a group sort of centric around atmosphere uh, and, and working with, with the fan base uh, doing large scale displays and the like you can find us on Twitter at Forza underscore Garibaldi um, or you can look at our website ForzaGaribaldi.com I took Karenka he's been shopping over the summer spending a lot of money on designer clothes 
is it fair to say the clothes he bought don't quite fit at the moment? Is he going to have to go to the tailors? It's been a it's been an eventful summer for Forest. Um, we've not quite had a summer like this. Certainly for as long as I remember, I'm in my early 30s, uh, it's been rather incredible, and I, I mean incredible just in terms of the whirlwind it's been. Um, Ito Karanka joined us um, at the start of the year, and um, has, has sort of set about a bit of a revolution, helped undoubtedly by um, by a, a new ownership that took over in the summer of 2017. Um, money has been spent, money has also come back in. Recently, yesterday, we sold... Um, we sold one of our academy lads for seven million pounds um, to Blackburn Ben Brereton. Um, so it, it is, um, it is. It's not quite all one way in terms of money has come in. We 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 sort of recouped a lot of money last summer as well. Um, but it's been a it's been a tough start, and I think really a lot of a lot of fans probably if you, if you look past if you look past the millions and you look past the very exciting performance right at the start of the season against uh, against West Brom, the first home game. Um, Probably deep down, a lot of us knew it was going to be tough. Um, we've drawn, we've drawn all of them apart from one that we won. So we are unbeaten. So you need to look at it both ways. Um, there are games that we have drawn this season that undoubtedly we would have lost last season. I'm fairly sure on at least a couple of them. Um, so it's it's difficult. People look at and think, well, big spending Nottingham Forest as we keep being referred to, but we aren't. We are realistic, really. We we need we need um, we need a bit of time. Karanka needs time. Um, and really, hopefully, he is the guy. He's the one that's come in. He's seen problems. There's been a malaise at this football club for absolute years, and he's addressed it. He's shipped out long-term problem problematic players. Um, so at the moment, his stock is very high. Um, but he and everybody else is realistic that this is about results. So let's see where we are in a couple of months, and then I think he'll then he will start to be judged rightly or wrongly. DS is one of the players you bought this summer. He was criticised by fans for not looking a £200,000 player, never mind £20 million. Do you think this policy of splashing big money on players is the key to getting out of this league? I don't think splashing money is the way. Um, people will point to Wolves. That's kind of a model, I guess, we're, we're loosely basing ourselves on in terms of the Portuguese imports. Um, but no, I think there are plenty of clubs that have shown that you don't need to, to, to spend massive, massive money. We have um, we have spent massive money, as I say. It's not necessarily as reported because there has been incomings, uh, sort of outgoing. Sorry, over the last couple of years, but um, but no, undoubtedly we have spent money, and, and it ramps up the pressure. And I don't think we need to do it. Jill Diaz um, is a player that we've bought in, um, that you've asked me about. He is he's actually only on loan, although there is a view to a buy. We're not we're not stuck into anything there. He looked fantastic early on. Um, struggled a little bit since. Um, fans have probably got a little bit disappointed dare I say um, but this is early days I'm going to keep saying this throughout this it's early days these are young lads completely new to the hurly burly championship um, so we need to give them we need to give them a little bit of time for sure um, it's a long way from where we were um, last season in certainly in previous years um, sort of Mark Warburton was here last year as many of you would have been aware this is this is totally new sort of dawn for us really Um we do need to um we do need to stick with managers. Uh, Warburton was born. I was disappointed that we probably didn't give longer. In hindsight that might prove to be wrong. It's all about it's all about getting promoted to the to, to the next league, isn't it? Um so yeah, but time time is a big thing. It is only August. Um and nobody should be thinking that we were about to run away with this league just because we've spent a few quid. A 
recent article by Daniel Finkenstein in the Times felt that Forrest had less than 1% chance of automatic promotion based on some stats equation. Villa apparently are 38%, West Brom are 31% and Brentford are rated at 29%. How accurate do you think this is? Yeah, so this article, um, Daniel Finkenstein in the Times, um, I'm not so sure you would have sent me that if it had said um, Forrest 29% and Brentford 1%, but um, hey-ho, um, it's a load of old tosh, isn't it? We, um, I don't know, I'm not sure what to say. This, the beauty of this, this championship is that nothing nothing can be predicted like that. You can't put models, you can't put formulas to this stuff. Yes, I, I, I do think that probably Villa... West Brom and yourselves have got a cracking chance of being up there. I think we have got promotion hopes. Clearly, when you spend the money that we do, um, our board and our owners are going to be thinking we need to get promoted. Whether they're thinking that is this season, I'm not so sure. But um, I don't know. I think I think realistically, I think we need to be looking at top half with a challenge for the playoffs. I think anything else would be severely disappointing. But at the same time, I don't think we can get carried away and say that we're going to run away with this league like, say, Wolves did because that would just be totally unrealistic for a club that have been battling relegation for the last couple of years, um, no matter how much money we've spent. When people think of Nottingham Forest, they hark back to the days of Brian Clough and your days when you were a force in the top flight, a team seen as a proper team with integrity. It's very easy to throw away all your ideals in the chase for success nowadays, especially when everyone's doing it. It's fine when it goes well, but look at the problems teams like Cardiff and Hull have been through. Are you comfortable that the new Forest regime will respect the history, the fans, and not just buy success by all means necessary? I don't think there's any concerns amongst the fan base at Forest that this this new ownership are gonna um, sort of disrespect our history or traditions. Um, they have opened up to former greats. They've welcomed them back into the fold, um, and and actively as well, and and, and given people sort of roles. Uh, we've got a couple of guys, Frank Clark and John McGovern, who were uh, continuing as ambassadors, um, which has sort of elevated their roles um, a lot from where they were previously. Um, and and they've they've reached out to groups like ourselves. They've reached out to the supporters trust and other groups. They are they are doing things the right way, and it's not just lip service. They are they are looking to embrace the fans, the culture, the tradition. So there aren't any concerns. We are obviously um, a club built on what Brian Clough achieved. Um, people say we live in the past, etc. But it's not really like that for us. When we we sort of laugh that off, it's it's about. It's about remembering sort of a brilliant times and, and not, not being scared of them, embracing that. Um, we know those days aren't going about to come back. Um, we should never have achieved them in the first place, really. Um, but this new club, um, as we are a new club, really, in terms of this new board, um, are, are respecting those traditions. And that, and that does go a long way. Saturday is a big game for Forest. They need a win to kickstart this season after all the pre-season hype. Are you worried about a Brentford team who can be very lively on this day? Give us a score prediction. Yep, Saturday is a is a fairly big game for Forest. I dare say it's um it's a big game for Karanka, um, because despite the unbeaten start, he needs to show a little bit more in terms of for himself. I don't think anybody's necessarily getting on his back. 
you've said you've said that Forest need a win. I don't think anybody needs a win on the first day of September. Um, it would certainly be nice, um, but no one's going to um, no one's going to get too disappointed if we um, if we lose. No one's going to get too excited if we win. I say first of September, we've got to be realistic. As I keep saying, brand new side. Um, we're we're kind of building up, um, but I am looking forward to coming down. I I love a trip to Brentford. I think it's a fantastic club, um, and I think you're. Um, I do think genuinely. I think you're going to be up there. Um, I think I think we'll come down, and I think it will be a high scoring draw, two two. Um, one of us might even nick it late on. Um, we can certainly score goals. We can concede a few as well. Um, we have a tendency to concede set pieces after a minute. So um, yeah. Don't miss kickoff. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye. So Gary seems really worried. Um, you know, I know it's been a it's been a mixed start to the season for the for the, for the Gary Baldy army. Um, but you know, I, I think he probably well Karanka has always had the measure of Brentford for for whatever reason. He he seems to be able to counter our kind of like you know all attacking um, progressive football with 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 measures let's put it that way whether he's going to get his forest team to do that because uh, you know I know they've got a couple of injuries as well they came out of that game on uh, on Wednesday night um, and, and they, they 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 seem to have taken a couple of knocks so you know I, I'm not quite sure what what team he's going to put out there um, and whether it's you know the team I don't think it's going to be the team he would have chosen if he had the full full kind of um, availability, but uh, Nottingham Forest, they've we've had a really good run of results at the City Ground, and they've not had a bad run of results at Griffin Park. So uh, probably, you know, when we look at the Nottingham Forest fixture, we don't look at it and become quite really that worried about it. But you know, the Warburton game last season, they won four three. It was a, it was a you know a game to remember probably. Lots and lots of goals. But I think we need to be looking to win on Saturday. Sav, what did you take from the the, the interview with Gary? Uh, well, Gary seemed very, very confident. I'm a bit worried now. Um, I was I was a bit more sort of um, positive before I heard, what, heard more confident than you thought. Uh, much more confident than I thought. Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, yeah, I'm worried. I'm worried. But um, <clears throat> I think uh, yeah, the, the injuries help. Um, I think uh, the, the fact that they've let Brereton go out on loan. I don't know if it's with a, a view to a permanent signing somewhere. Because I thought he's a really good player, young, uh, sort of big, um, played, played really well against us a, a couple of times. So I liked him. So I was quite surprised that he's gone. Um, but there's the, the issue of Karanka that you brought up. You know, uh, has he been there long enough to impose his, his Karankaness onto them? In which case, you know, you can expect a 1 0 uh, Nine of Forest win. Or can we do do something that uh, disrupts that? So it's it's going to be an interesting game. I'm um, I think I think it's I'm not sure if we're going to play. Hopefully, we're going to play our uh, our players with guile. You know, our our McEachrins, our McLeods, our Sawyers. Because I think if we if we go a bit to Makocho um, Yanaris and sort of just shore it up, um, I think. Because you know, if it's Karanka, you you kind of need to break them down. So if you shore up, you end up with a stalemate. Um, so I think I think I'd like to, like us to play with a bit more guile, uh, go at them, 
play the way we can and um, just see where we go. But yeah, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm, I'm quite positive. I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert on Forest by any stretch of the imagination. I watched the game last night on TV against Newcastle. I thought, I thought Forest were a kind of a team of uh, contradictions, if I'm honest with you. They seem to want to play good football and they, they've spent a lot, a lot of money on, on certain players that don't seem to be gelling quite yet. They've got, they've got sort of nimble, attack-minded players that seem to want to play and get the ball down. They've got this, you know, this heffalump bloke they bought from Huddersfield um, who, who looks kind of, you know, I know he's got, apparently got an, an amazing personality and he's, he's, he's like a, an infectious kind of guy. He looks overweight and he looks a bit of a bulk at the back and I think we could probably have um, a, a bit of joy against him. Karanka, obviously, we remember him from the Middlesbrough days, where that was probably him at his pomp. He had the team, he had you know Ayala, he had he had players that were kind of scoring week in week out. Um, if you know, ultimately, he he kind of failed. Really, he's on his I wouldn't say on his on his last chance, but he he's, he's like he's a bit like Warburton. He's remembered for a certain job, and can he replicate that somewhere else? Do we are we over are we over worrying about Karanka and Forrest? I think we are. I think this is a good time to play a Karanka team actually, because as Sav said, it takes a while for clubs to understand what his system in his style is. I've always quite admired. I thought he did a good job at Middlesbrough, um, and you know, they 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 were stupid to get rid of him when he did, but you know. Hey, that, that's that's football for you because actually I think some of his teams are quite interesting to watch. They're not necessarily brilliant footballing teams, but they are interesting, interesting to watch. I have to say, like you, I haven't seen that much of Forest this season, if at all. Anything? I mean, I thought the guy Garibaldi downplayed a bit. Actually, I thought he was a bit unhappy with the way that uh, things were things were going to go. So I'm pretty confident. I think uh, let's put out uh, our creative players. Um, I think you can run at Karanka's teams. You can run round Karanka's teams. He's, he will work from the back. He always does. He shores up his defence first before going moving forward. I think we've got the players to take it on. I'm pretty confident that it'll, A, it will be a good footballing game and B, that we can win it. What, what really struck me this week is that Karanka seems to be really playing down. He's, he's, he, I think he's, he hasn't made a statement or anything, but I, I think he said several times that uh, you know this is a long, this is a long, long, a long time. This is like a, this isn't going to happen overnight. Everyone rain down their expectations. Don't start demanding that we're going to be successful this season. Do you find out? You, you know, he spent twenty million pounds or something, something quite ridiculous. Is that? Is that? Can can you do that? Can you spend big? And then also expect expectations to be low. I, I'm not sure you can do that. I think that's clever management <clears throat> um, because unlike certain other teams in the championship, uh, Forest do have history. They have been champions of Europe. Um, they have won trophies. They've got a lot of silverware in their, in their cabinet. And I think Karanka has said, give me time. And that's what we'll be saying to the owners because the owners have given him a lot of money to spend and he's saying, give me time to spend that money wisely. Whether he spent that £20 million wisely, only, we, only time will tell. But I wouldn't have expected Forrest to be anywhere near going up this season. I doubt even that they'll be in the playoff places come the end. You say, I mean, you say wise, and I, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to dispute that. Yeah, I mean, is he just 
is it kind of is he by, just buying himself time because you know I, I'd have to be a little bit more confident than that you know whether 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 I mean I don't know the structure necessarily at, at, at Nottingham Forest I don't know whether these the signings that they've made they're obviously clearly trying to um, copy the Wolves situation they've brought a couple of Portuguese players in um, you know, I'm not sure it's a, a carbon copy of of what what happened at Wolves but uh, you know for the fans' perspective, they see, they, they they know that their club has got a great history. They know that they've got a manager that's got some some pedigree. They know that the owners, the owner, has come in and he's spent significantly. Why the hell would you? Why would you think that it's a mid-table uh, season? You would surely expect that you are competing for a promotion place. I think the fans might be expecting, over-expecting because of what they saw last season with, with Wolves because, as you say, it's, it's, although it's not a carbon copy, there's similarities. You know, everyone's saying, oh, they've done a Wolves. So, uh, but Wolves played really good football and I'm not sure that Karanka's uh, mindset is, is the same as uh, the Wolves manager where they were just sort of coming out, just destroying teams. Um, I think um, that's why he probably needs to build that side. He probably needs that extra year. And if they are patient enough he could do something uh, next year. But um, I think he's, he's probably just saying to the fans, look, calm down, let's see where we are for Christmas. You know, then you might get excited. But I think it's kind of sensible. OK, so the time you listen to this, it's going to be Friday morning. and We're a little over 24 hours away from another game at Griffin Park. It's going to be warm. It's going to be nice. What is your prediction, Mr Liberalnik? 3-1 Brentford. Savvy B. I think it's going to be much closer than that, and I'll go for a uh, 1-0 Brentford. Personally, I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw, the old Desmond 2-2, as it's sometimes known as. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I think it's going to be a, a, a really keenly contested competition. I, I, I just think that, once again, missing more pay is probably going to cost us. So, uh, if we win, I'm really more than happy. Um, it's really quiet here now, but we're still going to finish off the podcast, as we always do. We're going to have a little bit of a table bang, and we're going to say, by the River Thames, at one over the eight, Come on, you be Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.